Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. So, what's up, Matt? Yeah, not too much, man. Not too much. It's been uh, an interesting week, you could say. Uh, Go on. (laughs) Yeah, so really wanted to get some marketing done this week. That was my big goal. And I just got totally swept up with the consulting work that I'm doing. Going through the end of year with these clients, and I really feel this sense of urgency with all of my clients to like have them meet their end of year to get them in a position where they can file their paperwork and everything. And I keep backseating the marketing that I want to do for FBARS. And in the moment, I'm making a choice to work on the consulting work. Uh, I, if I feel the I feel like I owe my clients something. You know, they're waiting on me to do this thing. And I feel that very emotionally, actually, like, I really feel bad putting their work aside so I can do even a few hours of marketing. So I'm looking at it and thinking, I'm very close to getting one of my clients, like, out the door. And I have one other client that I've started, but I really need to get going with. So my goal for this week is to get the the one client that I'm with further get their paperwork done and in. And then that way I can say, great, there's only one other thing for me to focus on. It's just this one other client. And then I feel like I'll have a little bit more space to be able to feel better about the marketing I'm doing. Now, granted, <laughs> the mar- not doing the marketing is, you know, marketing is scary. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like realizing that maybe I'm, this is me running away from the scary thing. But I think ultimately the emotional state I was in to be able to say, you know, working on for my clients right now is the important thing is is valid. So I think once I get one of them out, I'll feel a lot better about just having two competing interests, not just three. <laughs> so that's really that was really the sum of my last week. Wishing I did more marketing and not getting to it. And then I ended up taking off Friday since I'm in Halifax now and I lived like a human all weekend. So I shirked a lot of duties. I but I went out and was a person on the street and like ate at a restaurant. Like it was totally crazy. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. It sounds like fiction. It, it, man, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> but yeah, so kind of coming up for this week, really want to get that one client out the door and then I'll feel a little freer to be able to start marketing and really just get the get the ball rolling with my marketing. Yeah, that's that's really it for me. What about you? What have you been up to? Yeah, this is uh, this is the theme today. It's marketing. <laughs> Yeah, that that was my plan for this week. I decided to try this experiment of doing one week of marketing, one week of dev, and all. Right. So last week was marketing, and my goal my goal was to produce two videos. So I produced one. Okay. So I did I did publish one, mm-hmm. and then I went and posted it on Slack and Twitter and wherever I, I thought it'd be useful. And I even built up the courage to post it on Reddit. Yeah, it was it was scary. Oh man! <laughs> but good for you, you did it. Yeah. So in the end, like, yeah, I only got upvotes, so I didn't I didn't get any downvotes. No, I didn't get any comments at all, which which is I guess is better than negative comments. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but you know, it it just didn't. I don't remember how many upvotes it got. But in that subreddit, it's enough to be like in the third position on the page. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, did it drive any traffic to the site? I don't know because I I posted the link to the YouTube channel, to to the YouTube video. Sure. So I I saw that definitely I was getting views from external sources, okay. 
but I still haven't figured out like, or did I? No, I think I think I did see that the views were coming from Reddit. But anyways, it was so so few views mm-hmm. that. And then you know I have a link in my videos d- description, mm-hmm. so th- that I didn't see. I didn't see any stats coming from YouTube telling me that people clicked that link. Right. But uh, I, I mean, I posted it Friday, so I think I only looked at it Saturday, mm-hmm. and then there was nothing. Okay. So did it drive traffic? No. Mm-hmm. But you know, did it serve its purpose for for putting it out there that the product exists? Like that, it's hard to measure, but I. Th- it probably did. Plus, I mean, you got over the hard thing of posting to a subreddit and putting yourself out there, yeah, which is not a exactly. small feat. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think I'll, from now on, I will post the video because no one took it negative, yeah. negatively. So why not? Yeah. And, you know, and of course, my goal is with these videos is to help people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to help people who, who want to build something but feel overwhelmed with trying to create all these integrations with Zapier or totally. Integromat mm-hmm. and it's like providing them a something that's pre-made. It already works. It's already been tested. There's absolutely no code involved. You just have to map your fields and click sync. So, so, so how did it go with creating the video? How long did it take? Are you happy with how the process went? What worked? What didn't? Uh, I am not happy at all with any of it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah no seriously it was so hard to do okay like i just i took me forever to start and then when i started um you know i think i i did like three or five takes okay and in the end i just had to like i just had to click publish you know whatever it's good enough but i really don't like the video like okay. i i actually think it's a lot worse than my very first video oh. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what, what happened. What I, I even asked help on Twitter, like, you know, what's what's your secret? How do you do this? I feel like an idiot. And people were, everyone's advice was, you, you just have to do quantity over quality, basically. Mm-hmm. And even a lot of these, these what, what I consider big YouTubers, but they're, you know, big YouTubers in a very small niche. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, they show they shared their first videos. Like, say, well, you know, go check out my first video. Right. <laughs> and sure enough, you say, go, okay, yeah, my video's not that bad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels bad. Like, it just, I don't know. Sure. You know, when you're a perfectionist, you're like, you're used to seeing all these really nicely polished videos. And then you start, and oh my God, I'm just a rambling idiot. And, and yeah, yeah, it's horrible, horrible. <sighs> Yeah, no, I totally can empathize. Yeah. That, yeah. There's nothing worse than like putting something out there and comparing it with the stuff that's already out there and thinking, horrible. I hate everything. I hate this. I'm shit. This is shit. Like, ugh. Yeah, exactly. So how long did so, it take to put together? Like, so so you you did your first like marketing week sprint. Um, how did it, how did it go? And how did this video? It didn't, well, I mean, it didn't go well. Like I didn't, first of all, I didn't work five days. Mm-hmm. I I took a day off yeah. to go to go hiking, nice. so that was I mean that was nice, but not productive. <laughs> productive in a different. Yeah, that's it. We did the eleven kilometer hike nice. on a on a local mountain. Okay. Yeah, we did two two peaks nice. in one day. It was good, but uh, and the day before that, I didn't. It was it was my birthday. Oh, happy but birthday! It was, it was yeah, thanks. But it was my first my first COVID birthday. Oh yeah. So it was pretty depressing. <laughs> Yeah, so it didn't help with the motivation yep. to do a 
a task that I hate doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the other days it was a lot of like just mental prep, like trying to walk through what exactly the demo is going to be. Mm-hmm. The, there was a, the problem, one problem is well, I'm trying to do two things with one video, which I think was a mistake. Like I'm trying to demonstrate the feature for, for users as they're using it. So, you know, a user like has signed up mm-hmm. and they're sort of, they're hesitant of starting a workflow or they're, or they start it and they kind of get stuck somewhere. So I wanted a video for that. Okay. So that, are you stuck? Well, you know, here's a video and it shows you an example of using the tool. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also wanted to have a video that shows the feature to people who don't even know the feature exists. Oh, I see. Okay. So, so I think that was the big, that was a big mistake trying to do one video for both mm-hmm. audiences. It was wrong. So I'll, I mean, I put it out there anyways, but I think what I'm going to end up doing during my next marketing week will be to to make individual videos for those two different purposes. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But otherwise, I besides making the video, I posted the video at a few places. I did start a Slack conversation. Uh, I only got engagement from one person. So, But um, hopefully there were lurkers watching. Yeah, totally. But I'm starting to question... Um, my marketing channels. Mm. Like I, right now, I'm having success with with Twitter, the forums, and SEO. Okay, but I'm I'm I feel like I'm at a point now where no matter how much effort I put into those channels, like I'm not going to get more traffic out of it. Like especially the forums. Like, I mean, I you know every day I go to answer questions, but if there are no new questions, there's nothing I can post. Mm. And a lot of the traffic that's coming in, I have. Unfortunately, the forums don't tell me exactly which question the people are coming from. Okay. And I haven't been using any like referral IDs or anything to, to try to track that myself. Sure. So I don't know where they're coming from. They could be coming from links that I put there like, six months ago. Right. So so I think it, it might be time to start looking at different channels, like new channels, mm-hmm. where efforts will have like, a huge impact. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, like you're, you can't necessarily, there's no more time to put into the web you've you're answering the questions you need to be answering you're promoting things where they need to be promoted you're you've sprinkled yourself in amongst the forums and it's until the community grows more there's not more for you to do there exactly and for twitter i mean i it's mostly it's mostly automated what i'm doing i'm not i'm not really writing i'm not writing a lot of tweets okay i have started a few conversations like while replying to tweets okay but it's really hard to know, like, are those conversations actually leading to signups? Mm-hmm. Again, like, I'm not putting referral links or referral IDs in my URLs. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know where they're coming from, which tweet they're coming from. Are they coming from the, the links in my bio? Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, when I think about analytics, like Google Analytics, for example, you do see, I see, like, top referrers, but it, it's just Twitter. It's not your bio. It's not that's necessarily right. your bio, bio or a specific tweet. So, I mean, I, I know I can, I can put IDs in the URLs and then when Twitter shortens the link, it's going to give a, a different shortened link for every single one of them. And then I could actually track all that, but then it, it feels even more markety. Sure. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, it, it feels less, you know, less natural, yeah. like to just drop a link. I heard um, Adam Wathen say once, I, w- I don't want to focus on making my marketing more efficient. 
I just want to work on building something that people really, really like and then doing the necessary marketing and not worrying about what tweet are they coming from and is this converting and is this working? It's just, I just want to put myself out there and, and keep doing the marketing that I've been doing. Uh, what to other people? Like, is it common to put an ID in a, in a URL? I don't know. I don't, I don't really follow the marketing circles on Twitter. Okay. I'm more following other indie hackers and, and no-code hackers. But I agree with that statement that you said. Like, I don't, I don't want to put more effort into it. Yeah. Like trying to, trying to track everything and be able to predict my performance. And <clears throat> I, I think I have a gut feeling that tells me what I'm doing is working. Uh, maybe I need to start exploring other channels now. Yeah. Because that that is pretty much automated. I mean, it's not automated in, in the sense that it's a it's a script doing it, but my my daily. Thirty minutes or one hour of activity is pretty routine, and it's and it's easy. I can maintain it, so okay. I'm gonna not not try to do more, like because yeah. that's a, a lot. What I've what I've been struggling with is, oh, I should tweet more, you know. What should I tweet about? Asking all yourself about these personal brand questions. Like, yeah. What What do I stand for? And, <laughs> and you read all the advice. You know, the advice tells you all you, all your tweets should be, you know, focused on very focused on certain subjects and the goal is to produce content that's going to educate people or entertain people or yeah and to me that it's not it's not really what interests me i'd much rather build a tool that that helps people yeah absolutely than pr produce content that helps people yeah no, exactly so but yeah i think i'm going to continue this experiment of marketing every second week yeah. concentrating on dev weeks so were you exhausted at the end of the week thank god this week is over yes okay. oh yeah i know i didn't there's nothing about it that I enjoyed, okay. <laughs> but I think that's a good thing. I think that's that's a good thing that it, it forces me to to actually spend that time doing. More. Yeah, I mean this 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 idea of thinking about other channels. I mean, was because I was forced to do marketing during. The, otherwise, I would have just opened up my code editor and I would have started fixing bugs and adding new features. And, Great point. And you have something so, to show you know, for it I, as well. You know, you yeah. you got a video out. Whether you're happy with it or not, you you produced a video last week. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, I've 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 improved my my process for making videos. Mm. Like now, I I I found a script that will easily. They call it cut editing, where it it detects all the silences and shortens them. Okay. So then the video becomes very much more fast paced. Right. So I think if I think I found a way to now that my process will will feel easier, will feel less stressful. I will just take my time to record it and only speak once I know what I want to say. Right. And then the script will allow me to to edit it more quickly. Okay. Because I I was listening to the early episodes of Art of Product and. Uh, ben was talking about putting together his uh, refactoring Ruby course, and I don't remember what the name of the software was, but it was it was like a screen recorder that you could, rather than do multiple takes, it would be something like, oh, I made a mistake right inside of my editor, I just want to back up to this point and overwrite it. So at least the way he was selling it, it made it sound like it was really easy do multiple takes or decide that you didn't like something of a certain part and be able to kind of like edit in edit in frame i think it's called or edit in edit in real I, I don't know what the term is there's a filmmaker term term for it editing camera to like edit in camera for like what you're doing and how that works so i'm just thinking if you're how do you record do you record the whole thing all at once and then go back and try to look at it yes that's what i was doing okay. yeah i could see how that would be useful like a way that while i'm recording it 
to be able to like bookmark what a you know this this was a mistake <laughs> so then i could easily jump back to that moment during the editing right yeah because the well i guess it, it depends if editing is the hard part like to me it sounds really difficult to set everything up all at once and then click through it having to record the whole thing in one take that sounds like a nightmare yeah no it it, it is i mean it would you think it'd be much easier to record it in smaller videos because then it, when you make a mistake, it's easy to just start over. Yeah. But uh, I think it feels more natural to just do a demo of the whole thing, though. Like mm. that, your train of thought will stays more constant. Right. And, but uh, if I rehearsed more or I actually had a script written down, then maybe multiple shots would be better. Mm. And you're always dealing with an application that has state. So yeah. <laughs> you do something and it you like that take or you don't like that take. And then values are different or IDs are different or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like between takes, things on the screen are ch- subtle things on the screen are changing or. Exactly. And yeah. And that's, and that's, that's some of the problems I had where I'd start recording and then I get to like step three and go, oh shit, no, this is not going to work because <laughs> I didn't uh, do that. That's step one. So then I uh, just, I, I just, all right, keep, keep going. But I know that this, this, all of this has to be scrapped now. Right. But take a note that I need to fix that for the next video. And I did that maybe three or five times. And so a lot of the time is just thinking, preparing for the video. And then there's the actual recording, which I spent a a whole day doing, Mm -hmm. several takes. And and then there's the editing, which, yeah, it's not easy. But I think think it's going to get easier and easier the more I do. Yeah, definitely. I'm not not completely discouraged. I still think content marketing is the way to go. But I need to explore other channels too, though. So what other, do you have some more channels in mind or is that going to be another job going out and searching for more? I have some, some ideas, but I, I do need to explore them yeah. though. I'm not, I'm not, it's not, I don't think I've found the winners yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll probably be just an ongoing battle forevermore. <laughs> finding the channels, yeah. finding where these people are. Are they listening? Are they grow? Is the channel, channel growing or shrinking? How can you change your approach? So yeah. So that was my week. Sounds frustrating, but... <laughs> I'm happy that you got something done. That's sick. Yeah. And what about uh, this wonderful oncoming dev week that you're going to be doing? Any big plans? I I definitely have some. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a lot more concrete. I know exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm in my element. There you go. So cool. So should we talk a little bit about like what it's like to have a podcast and what goes into creating said podcast. Yeah, let's, let's do this. The meta episode. The meta episode. So yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, a lot of people kind of dream about starting a podcast. I know that I have and realizing what actually goes into it. How do you create something? How do you put it out there? What are the steps that are, that go into it? That sort of thing. I feel like a lot of the podcasts that I've talked about, when they talk about their meta episodes, they say, oh, I work with a person. So we just take our audio tracks and we upload it to a folder and then we get a thing back and now we have a podcast. And it's just like, oh, that's good. I bet that costs a lot of money (laughs) that I definitely don't have. So what do you, at least for me, one of the difficult things has been to go back and listen to myself and realize that I have horrible rambling and that... All the good speaking habits I've developed over my life disappear once I get in front of a microphone. I don't know if you find that, but <laughs> we could just blame COVID. Yeah, exactly. Throw it in I the just COVID. Say, I uh, I used to know how to talk to people, but you know, COVID. Yeah. 
I've those skills have atrophied. It's like a muscle. Just, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't, I don't think you rambled that much, if at all. Oh. I mean, not not any worse than me. I appreciate that. So I think one thing that's interesting to talk about is uh, we we're looking at podcast hosting providers and what you pay versus what you get. Because, I mean, we're both developers, so this feels like a technical problem, which would be interesting to solve, of where can you put your podcast files? How can you create an RSS feed that a distributor like iTunes or Google can index and then publish? And I don't know about you, but the podcast hosts are expensive. They feel pretty expensive. Yeah. I mean, because we know how the sausage is made, it it feels really expensive. Yeah. They're really, this is just a static website with MP3s that are stored in the cloud. Yeah, because really that's it. I mean, you you really put a, a great wrap on it of just, that's really all this is. An RSS feed is just a link to a bunch of audio files that are hosted somewhere. Everything else is yeah. ha- however much web design you want to put in. So I looked at like Transistor, for example. I'm a big fan of Justin Jackson and others, and I was looking at their pricing page and it's even for 20 bucks a month or something like that you're not getting that much that you couldn't get yourself hosting something on s3 you know depending on the number of downloads that you're but i mean you know when you're getting started you don't care about that like if if a hundred people listen to a, a podcast i was in i'd be over the moon that would be amazing <laughs> exactly but that's it i mean our, our goal is not to turn this podcast into a business like to a to get sponsors or to get to get ads or at least at least not for me. I mean, we've we've talked about this off off microphone, but you know, it's just we were already having these meetings every week to to keep ourselves accountable for on our businesses. This is just sharing it with the world. So hey, maybe other people like listening to to people struggle. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I totally agree. For me, uh, connecting with people is really really nice especially people who understand how difficult a lot of this is i mean you just had a brutal marketing week and i know exactly what you're what you're dealing with and it's just like yeah "Yeah, that really sucks dude like next week's gonna be better because you're gonna get to write code like (laughs) and you and you got something out of it like it's really nice to be able to connect with each other and it's cool because now i find myself of the podcasts i listen to i find myself reaching out to the hosts and saying like oh that was a great episode that sounds really shitty and I'm sorry that happened. Or, you know, like something happened in there yeah. and it's just like, yeah, I understand your circumstances. So like to be able to connect with an audience is awesome. I, I That would be exactly wonderful. Yeah, that's my that's my number one goal. Is Like I don't even care about trying to have metrics that will tell us how many listeners we have or, you know, what are weekly or monthly downloads. I mean, because really the only thing I care about is someone reaching out and saying, hey, I listened to the podcast and I really like this or here's some feedback or here's an idea I had for t- to solve that problem you were talking about. Oh, man, that would be amazing. Like that's, yeah, that's that's the metric that I care yeah. about. So, <laughs> so it doesn't matter if, you know, a million people are listening. Yeah. It's just those five people that contacted me that I care about. Yeah, especially if they were saying, oh, actually, there's a solution to what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, seriously. Yes, help me. <laughs> Somebody help me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting to like sit down and realize that you have something to say and then try to turn that into something that's palatable for, for a listener, at least for the first. One, one of the deals we, we talked about when we first started was we, wanted, we want this to be a, a – 
a method of engagement for people. We want to meet and talk to more people, but we also don't want it to be like a huge time burden for us either. We don't want to spend a million hours editing, going through all of the stuff in order to have it be absolutely perfect. And it turns out that there's actually a lot more tooling out there to, to create a fairly clean podcast yourself. It took me some time to really understand how a lot of these things work. I had to do at least one manual edit in order to understand what something like Skip Silences is actually doing and how to facilitate that. Um, but it's amazing, man. Like Auda- we, We're using Audacity currently, and it's great. I'm very pleased yeah. at the level of quality for free. Yeah, exactly. Open source. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a whole spectrum. There's is to do it yourself which is what and then you have in in between where you you pay someone to host it but you still have to do some things yourself like the editing and all that mm-hmm. and then you have the full service where you just record yourself and then you ship it to someone and say do your magic and it comes back all polished and edited so we're because this is not our business like we you know we're definitely not the third category yeah and and in the middle category, we're there. Well, we, we still have to do all the work, anyways. You know, how much more work would it be to just use a static site generator and host our MP3s on, it, it, on in this three bucket? Exactly. Yeah. Like you're you're already doing forty minutes of work for an edit. It's like, all right, well, I spend a few hours and I build a site once. And then I have a little script, insert a new page with a link that I'm going to have to... Exactly. It's really nice. Because I'm, I'm sure Transistor is a great product and the analytics we definitely won't have, you know, knowing how many listeners you have or how many downloads you're getting. We're not going to really have any of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, outside of the... Most of the players now will tell you. So Google, the Google podcast dashboard or whatever it is, give you metrics. I don't know if you have to pay them to unlock them or anything like that, but... All of the all of the platforms, some number of yeah. Okay, I didn't even know that. Yeah. yeah. And then if you really feel like counting it yourself, <laughs> then I guess you could always just create like a proxy that sits in front of the RSS XML that the podcatchers that the distribution platforms pull, and just like pull metrics from that or something. I I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Works, yeah, you you basically just do a redirect to yeah. to your S three bucket for each episode. Yeah. But at least you logged that you did the redirect. Yeah. But I guess then the power of, I mean, we're getting it, like we're getting into something I don't care about. Like you know, I don't care if people who listen to us are between the ages of twenty five and thirty four or whatever. Like I just, exactly. I super just don't care. <laughs> so whatever, whatever Spotify has to tell me about my audience is totally irrelevant. Exactly. I don't care if they're in the in the market of buying a mattress. Online. Exactly right. Yeah, they are car owners. <laughs> like just couldn't care less. So yeah, if you're listening. And you think, wow, I hate Matt and Mark is awesome or whatever. Like, I would love to hear from you. It's super nice to know that there's other people out there who are who find what we're talking about interesting or want to connect with us in some way and want to commiserate. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. You know what? This just felt really weird. It's like you just broke the fourth wall right now. Yeah. Because in all these other conversations we had, we never spoke of an audience, mm-hmm. right? We never spoke. And that, that's actually something I don't know whether, I don't know what if there's a right balance or because most of the podcasts I listen to where it's just two founders talking, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure how often they acknowledge that there's an audience listening. I think for me, something that I find interesting about all of this is um, I really, I love connecting with people 
emotionally like through like I, I for me i really enjoy being vulnerable and talking about i find this hard because i don't know like for some childhood issue or something right like i, I just want to talk about the way i feel about that and i can see that some people who are running businesses they might not call out to an audience to say i'm looking for help with this or i i'm because maybe the general audience won't understand their product or their customers the way that they do so it's like if i go to the general audience go to the general public and say i'm looking for help for f bars i'm not expecting people to know more about f bars than me or maybe i am i don't know but at the very least it makes me feel validated when i say wow this was really hard and i struggled a lot with it and i'm not happy with how it went but it's done to have somebody come in and say yep me too just here's like a big stamp of validation that what you felt and I, and others other people are struggling yeah because it's true other podcasts just don't a lot of the ones i listen to they're sometimes they'll be a, like guests will have an aside of like oh if you want to talk about x and y shoot me a twitter message at matt or whatever you, right exactly occasional. or it'll even ask if you have you know you know we'd love to hear what what you think of this rate and rate on itunes yeah well yeah that fred that's for the outro hmm. yeah no but that part Yes, definitely doesn't feel natural right now. It feels kind of weird <laughs> because my my number one goal was just to keep having these conversations with you every week. Yeah. But I think we have to break the fourth wall once in a while. Realize there's, I mean, and like you said, our goal is to to get engagement from people, yeah. to get feedback, to to connect with other people, to make new connections. Totally. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that our mission to keep each other accountable and talk through some of this stuff. But yeah, as if you're out there and you like what we're talking about, reach out. Be cool to hear. So I guess we have a lot of stuff to do for the podcast, eh? Oh God. <laughs> yeah, it's we just have to get through the over those humps, and then it's back to oh, just record, edit, and submit. I can almost hear my, myself saying, "What? Why are you guys wasting your time doing this? Just pay someone to do it. <laughs> we just have to do it once." <laughs> Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. And it, I guess one thing I haven't done enough research into that might be worth doing is how much these podcast producers actually, because if it was, I mean, I don't think it's $20 an episode, that would be cool. But if it were $20 an episode, then maybe I would start to think maybe if it's going to cost me $40 a month and it's all done completely, whatever, then maybe, but it can't, there's no way it's that cheap. It's just not possible. No, Exactly. I agree. I agree. If it was just 20 bucks an episode, I'd be willing to pay someone. You know, that's coming from me, the cheapest person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so cheap. Well, that's it. Because like, you know, I'm so cheap that thinking of spending $20 for Transistor is going to put this pressure on me to like, oh, no, this this is serious. I have to I have to perform now, you know, like I got to make use of this. Like exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, I got to we got to polish the podcast a lot more like and then we're going to end up spending hundreds on editing yeah. and, and sound equipment uh, and, but if we do it ourselves and it's just in an s3 bucket and a static website and, and we don't even care about the analytics then i feel like okay now it's just it's just matt and i chatting exactly once a week yeah. that's it yeah because it's fun to like i love our conversations and i never want to feel like i'm on stage having a conversation with you with a bunch of people listening it's like no i'd much rather just like have people listening at the door it makes it makes it feel there's no there's a lot there's a lot less pressure yeah exactly and i think that's that's it ignorance will be bliss 
like not even knowing how many downloads there are is actually going to be a good thing. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. <laughs> so yeah, I saw you did you did you did you did your research like about all the the audio formats that the, the podcast have to be in, mm. the formats of the cover art, the RSS. Yeah, there's a few podcast hosting companies that have some knowledge bases, but the one that I had trouble actually finding was knowing the audio format that you submit in. Uh, you asked some pretty interesting questions before about should it be fixed rate, variable rate, a mono, stereo, like what makes the most. And I found a really nice Medium article that linked out to a few other uh, articles and, and posts talking about you know what format works and what podcasts publish in 96 uh, kilobits per second or 128 and they kind of broke it down and it tends to be like the higher bit rate is reserved for podcasts with a lot of music so as soon as you want to have so it it also tended to be 96 mono and 128 stereo so like radio lab for example uh, because they have so much music and sound effect and that's a big part of how the audio sounds, they record in stereo. And then they reserve okay. the higher bit rate because they put so much effort in audio richness. Even though, you know, I mean, if you go any higher than 128, you need a, a serious set of headphones and, and an amp if you're going to, like, really start right. to hear the audio difference. And then, yeah, like, some, just some interesting small things like, oh, if you record in a variable bit rate, it turns out that some podcast players just don't work properly if they're on the web. Like, I, I assume SoundCloud is smart enough to be able to deal with fixed and variable rate, but it'll screw up the clock, and sometimes, like, the, the time remaining will be a lot less than it is, or a lot more. Like, they use the bitrate as the, as the ability to know how far through the track are you. And, like, strange okay. little things like this. Yeah, this all sounds familiar. Like, a few years ago, I, like, oh, actually, a really long time ago, I had considered building my own podcast hosting company. And then I decided against it because of there was more and more competition. So I thought it was like a race for the bottom. And I, but I had done all this research to know, like, you know, are the ID3 tags important? Turns out no. What, yeah, exactly. That's new. Because yeah. back then I thought you, you had to, you had to put tags in the MP3. Uh, I used to use, so uh, I'm, I used to be more so now than now. I used to consume a lot of audio drama in podcast and the podcatchers at the time were they were all about pulling a track an audio track from a server somewhere to your computer and it was less about playing and more about receiving so at, at that point you were dealing with the audio files themselves or at least the particular catcher i was using. um and at that point the id3 tags would matter because you were going to your file system to interact with those tracks. But most podcatchers nowadays, all of the information that would be in an ID is just in the RSS feed anyway. So you wouldn't okay. care. They only display what's in the RSS exactly. feed. And you're not pulling the audio tracks out of your player and doing something. The player's going to be the, the home for all of them. I mean, maybe you're okay. burning. It's like one in a hundred thousand maybe are doing. Yeah. Someone's burning their, their podcasts to a CD every day for their commute. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, ID3 tags. I had to it's been so long since I've interacted with an ID3 tag. Oh, yeah, man. same here. I used to buy buy music and rip it off the disc onto my computer and put it in Winamp. Yeah, Winamp. It really whips it the really llama's kicks. ass. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. Simpler days. 
So yeah, I guess the the really nice thing about this from everything that I've seen is as soon as you establish your RSS feed, then it's done. You just have to have a you have to have a first episode in order for the RSS. I don't know if about it being invalid, but none of the distributors will work with your RSS feed unless you have a single at least a single app. So as soon as you get your RSS feed up and running with a single episode, then it's really just push push no more setup required. Did you see um I don't know if you follow Corey Haynes like he he started this new podcast? I didn't see that. I do follow him, but oh. I didn't see that. But uh like he was trying to to produce 10 episodes before releasing the podcast. Oh wow. So I mean of course he's a marketing guy so mm. he knows better than us. Oh. But um, yeah, I didn't even know you can have podcasts in a, I don't know, like in a preview state. Maybe. I haven't dug into the actual syntax of the RSS spec. My guess is that maybe he wants to go live with 10 episodes. So when he first publishes his RSS, there's 10 episodes in there. Or maybe they're just pre-recorded and he releases them at some... Yeah, no, I think it was... But I think, yeah, somehow his 10 episodes were going to be in the RSS feed... But like people couldn't download them yet, something like that. I don't know. Maybe I misunderstood. But yeah, it's like it seemed like because he, he was trying to build up like a huge launch for it. Mm. Oh yeah, so, so like, you... people could even subscribe to it before it even goes live. It, yeah. So, oh, I see. Oh, interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's to do with that. But anyway, so I'm not. I'm not saying we should do that. We're, we'll we'll let him do the marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and watch from the shadows and steal all of his. <laughs> what's his new podcast about marketing just in general <laughs> i think they're they're he's interviewing people uh in the marketing space okay cool i'll definitely check that. or at least people who yeah people who know stuff about marketing okay so he, i think each episode is on a different channel probably i'll check that out i need all the help I can. yeah seriously cool so i don't know we're about 45 minutes we should wrap up yeah so are you doing marketing this week this week, I am going to do marketing. I'm going to do marketing this nice. week. Mark. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to, on Tuesday, I should have a call with the consultants that my one of my clients is working with. And that should there should be some like final actionable items there that I can work on. So that will hopefully take me to like Wednesday afternoon. And then the rest of the week will be spent on my other consulting client. But I'd like to reserve Friday morning for really coming up with a with a plan. So I need to I, I need to reach out to my mailing list, let them send them an update, and say, hey, by the way, I, I I'm alive. This is still a thing, even if I don't give them anything actionable, because I need to give the ability to my users to be able to check out for free. I still haven't dealt with the Stripe checkout and vouchers and how we want that to work. I'm at the point now where I think okay. I'm just going to hack it and zero give have it be a zero dollar charge and let it be. And just talk to my mailing list and say, hey, you're allowed to go through. Go through and give me some feedback or whatever. And then uh, and then I'll talk to my mailing list with that and just let them, let them go through. And then I'll update the code again and have it be the regular price. And then start messaging more Facebook groups and that sort of thing. While I make a long-term decision on what I want to do with the checkout. Right now my... So, so why not do that at the beginning of the week instead of the end of the, end of the week? Uh, fear? <laughs> Well, no, I, I, like, yes and no. So I feel I'm I'm just dealing with the pressure. I'm dealing with the pressure of these two consulting clients that I have. And in my head, I've rationalized it that if I help them first, it's maybe it's a respect thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> but even now, 
they're on my mind thinking about that I'm not working on it or that I wasn't working on them over the weekend it's on my mind and no one has said anything no one has said I am unhappy with the level of service I'm receiving or they're like why isn't this done faster no one has said anything like this this is totally internal pressure that I'm putting on myself yeah um so I'm I've kind of convinced myself that I need to make one meaningful step forward on client two since I've been backseating them up until now and then I feel like I can then work on FBARs. I mean, this is, I know this isn't true, but it seems to be, I've, I've seemed to have convinced myself that this is the way that it needs. Because in my experience, often you, you send out an email blast and no one responds the first day. Mm-hmm. People are busy. People don't check their promo tabs or their update tabs. And, you know, so you could, you could send it today and most likely you wouldn't hear a peep from people before like two days from no, now. That's a really good point. But I, but I definitely share your feeling of like fear. You're scared that, you know, what if this blows up? Like I, I post it and it goes viral and then I can't do the consulting, you know? <laughs> I need to deliver for these guys. I'm scared. I'm scared that somebody's going to ask me for something and then I'm going to have to be committed to that. Ah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I find that fear usually is unjustified. Yeah. I think my problem right now is I'm still getting used to being in the driver's seat. Through my whole career, I've kind of always been proactive. And it's like I get a nice pat on the head when I'm proactive. And this is me being proactive, looking for that pat on the head. Like, no, I, I'm i making the decision. It's I'm the one in charge of this. And if the client doesn't like it, I need them to tell me. And this is a back and forth. Not just, oh, I'm scared. I'm scared they're going to be mad. Just... <laughs> no, make make a decision and, and live with that decision and know that it's the right one. And if something happens and your clients are angry, figure out how to fix it and learn from it. Because right now I'm not learning anything except to <laughs> to feed the beast that is my fear. Because, yeah, not, I mean, like you said, you, you don't charge enough. They're not expecting you to be paying, to be working 40 hours a week on, for them. Yeah, that's a very good no, you're right. You're, I know. you're right. Why is it so scary? God damn it, Mark. Why is it so scary? <laughs> no, it's you're you're right. You're right. Yeah, okay, so maybe what I should do I need to come up with a plan for the week anyway. And I've kind of been planning that a meeting will take place on Tuesday. So maybe what I need to do is figure out how to make a zero dollar transaction work and and then send that email blast immediately and let give people time to respond. Because I need to do other marketing. And if they're gonna take two days to click on things in the email or whatever, then I need to begin priming other marketing channels. And if people are going to respond right away in there or whatever else, then I then I need to be prepared and ready. The only way I'm going to do that is by getting the free guys, the free people out of the way. Right. Because I've already been seeing, I'm a member of a bunch of Americans Living Abroad uh, Facebook channels, Facebook groups, and I'm starting to see the listicles pop out. So like everything you need to know for American uh, uh, American taxes in Canada 2021. And on every listicle, it's like, you have to do your FBARs. And it's like my life for a hyperlink to FBARs.app yes. in those listicles. Seriously. And it's like they're, they're starting to form. And it's like, oh, man, like you're, this is your time. Go, 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 go. You're already late. But it's giving me a lot. The nice thing is now that I'm so tuned into the scene, uh, or I'm I'm being a member of these groups is really giving me a view through the eyes of my ideal customer. Now I feel much better about coming up with a marketing plan, even if it even if I can't implement it this year and it's for next year. I've already got a ton of ideas for how to get in front of those. So yeah, it's like how many of these can I get rolling uh, in the in- yeah. So what's going to be the first line of code you write this week? What's on for your dev this week? 
It's already done. It's already done. Oh, yeah, right. I woke up. It's Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I already woke up before 7 this morning. Could not fall back asleep. I was, like, already thinking of what oh, I was going to do. <laughs> Excited for the day. So I already have one thing done. And so, yeah. What is it? The, this, so the, so the one thing, there was this bug where if I get an API error from one of the APIs, so Airtable or Webflow, I would, and this was for a workflow that was scheduled. So, so the, the paying customers can schedule their, their workflows to run like every hour. But if I received one of these errors, like I would just abort the schedule, like basically like Abort the schedule, send them an email and say, hey, you, you need to fix something. Like something went wrong and it's unlikely that I'll be able to try again in an hour because most likely just something you have to fix on your side. But now there were scenarios where certain exceptions, I can realistically retry again in an hour. There was no reason to cancel the whole schedule. So, I mean, it, you know, in my, I always try to keep features as simple as possible so that I can ship more quickly and more often. So I knew that this was not the best solution to just cancel the schedule on all errors. So, but sure enough, someone contacted me last week and said, uh, yeah, you know, it'd be nice if you could retry again. Like, cause uh, in this scenario, like, you know, it failed like in the middle of the night and in the morning already, I was expect, I was expecting something to be live and it wasn't. So that, yeah, so I fixed that. And now the rest is all, all, they're all optimizations for the user experience. Nice. Yeah. Because uh, last week I had a lot of support. Like it's really, it's really random how much support I get. There's some weeks where it's super quiet and, but last week there was a lot. Right. So each time I get support, I always, I always take a note of what could I improve in the user experience so that I don't get these email supports anymore. Right. And the support tickets are typically around things that are happening in the UX or in the UX, like they're happening with the user onboarding. Yeah, oh, but there's, some of them are scenarios, like they're like typical errors that will happen with, with the Webflow API. Uh, there's a lot of weird things, like you can have multiple domains for one free, your one Webflow site, and you can publish whenever you do changes in the visual editor and you publish. You don't have to publish to all the domains. Mm. And there's certain scenarios like that where if you didn't publish to all the domains, Webflow won't let me update items because it says, oh, it's, you're not in a consistent published state. Oh. Like you, we can't publish these items because they were only published to some domains. Mm. So, I mean, right now I just display the error to the user. Like, you know, this is what Webflow said. Uh, but uh, a lot of people don't understand what, what's the solution. Yeah sucks yeah and, and and you know it'd be okay if webflow published this whole list of here's every single error that we can produce because mm. then i could go error by error and just all right this is the message i will display to the user yeah. you know basically this this is the action you need to take to resolve the problem but they don't they they really have and, it, and actually they have like just a few handful of http errors they have so like they have a rate limiting error they have like you know the typical 404 error but even then for the 404 you can have a, a bunch of different errors as the text so there's no way to like codify them like to know what it is you really have to just parse the text and hopefully they don't change the text 
Yeah, I know. It's, it's suboptimal. Yeah, that was always a problem I had with the companies that I worked for. Luckily, we didn't have too many experiences where there would be an API where someone would need to do a tight integration, where they would need to know that there's an error code inside of, let's see, sure, I got a, I got a 404 or a 403, but like what the actual error text is or error code associated with that 404 that's going to have some meaning that the application that the developer application can build an experience so i've never had to have like a very clear contract with like here's the dozen errors that this one endpoint can throw and how you can or how you can parse them or under right you know and like to have a whole class of validation exceptions that you can have but it's all the same error code it's like error code 400 validation error and then some text. So really, I thought the only thing I could do is just show the text to the user and hopefully Webflow wrote it in a way that explains the problem and they can figure out what the solution yeah. is. But no, some of them are too too vague or too technical so yeah. people don't know what the problem is. Or I guess some people just assume the error is on my side. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, like, well, your site said this. It's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my site said that because Webflow said that. <laughs> Like there's nothing I can do about it. Like you know, you you told Webflow that field is required, and then you tried to pass an empty string to it, and they said that field is required. So now it's like I have to like write down like you know make sure you have a value for this field in in your error table. For a long time, I thought so. I've I've written multiple side projects uh, where I've pulled data from Jira and other project man and. You forget how big Jira is <laughs> until you try to use their APIs, and it's insane. Like, the they're so big. And they provide a Java client yeah. that I've played with multiple times. And, like, they're so complex even to get the API running to be able to pull data down. You're just like, man, this is crazy how large. And I remember thinking, like, I wonder if there's a market for building a simpler, or not simpler, but just, like, I don't know, a more friendly developer API um, client effective for a given product like what if there was an external web flow api client for ruby and it's closed source or I, I don't know what the licensing is but you know then i say oh no uh, my entire job is to make sure that this thing works incredibly well with non-cryptic errors or errors that you understand and it's like i wonder if that's worth money right yeah that's a good question i, I mean i've had the idea of creating a proxy for the api because mm -hmm. right now they both Airtable and Webflow provide this API, but you can't use it client-side. So if you were like a front-end developer and you want to use those APIs, you can't because uh, you have to put the API key in the code. So if, client, if you do it you know, in the front-end, that means anyone can look at the source and they, they know what your API key is, and, and then they could do whatever they want to your, to your CMS or Airtable. Right. So if you create a proxy then you could hide the API key on your server and then they have just an authentication. Like the, As long as they're authenticated, they could use your API. That's really smart. That's really... I mean, especially for Airtable, I think just, there is a, a market for it. Yeah, I mean, it's the most developer-friendly or front-end developer-friendly thing you could do because the whole idea is I'm running inside of Webflow. Like I want to do my work inside of Webflow. I want to make the same calls. I want to work this. I want to work in a cohesive way. That eh, turns out you can't. <laughs> you have to build a back end that works this other way or whatever. And it's like, oh no, you can just build a proxy and funnel all your calls through it, and we can use that as a broker to whatever you like. Yeah, exactly. 
and then I'll take care of the rate limiting and all that stuff and even caching. Like I'll just, I'll do it all. You just use my API so that you're like, you're like serverless. You don't, you know, you don't need to have any, any backend. That's really, but that's, uh, that's for another yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> I spent, uh, I was just trying to distract myself this week and I spent 10 minutes on the Webflow forms looking for your post, trying to, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> uh, so, so do I sound like a spammer? No, definitely not. Definitely not. You're very empathetic. You, uh, you come across great. You read well. Great. Um, oh, thanks. So, um, but it is interesting to see people there asking questions. Like I haven't, I haven't been a part of a community like that in a really long time. So it's really cool to see people be like, help, like, or to have somebody put urgent in a, in a subject line, like, oh, th- like I need, I need yeah. help right now. Like everybody should stop what they're doing. Like I look at that and it's pretty cool to see that much. Um, well, I mean, it's not cool to see pain, but to see customers talking about like, no, I really, I'm burning. Like I'm on fire because I have this problem. That's really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, I've had people where they, you know, they have a problem and then I, I point them, I, you know, I show them how you could use the API or you could use my service. And then like after that, they contact me directly and say, you know, could I just hire you to do it? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like there are some people that are just, you know, hair on fire problem. Like, you know, I just need someone to fix this. Like, I mean, it shows you that that's, that's a real statement. Like that, that definitely yeah. shows you the need, how much Webflow is being used and in the way, in that, in which ways, like that's, man, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, exactly. No, it's a, it's definitely a, a nice market. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I've always turned down all these people that wanted to hire me. Yeah, you'd probably learn a lot. You'd learn a lot more about them and their pains, but I mean, you're, you've zeroed in on something that's a very clear need and a limitation of Webflow. Yeah. I'd say one of the, one of my current customers like when, when he contacted me, he wanted to just pay me to do it like because he had this huge, huge website, huge database, and he had to he had no other option but to up to manually update everything and it's super time consuming so he was you know hair on fire like I need to do this like just if I just give you my CSV files, can you do it for me? <laughs> well now you can and yeah, well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Eventually, when I had it ready, emailed them. I think I had just finished clicking send, and I saw the the Stripe payment come oh, in. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like urgent. Oh man, I need this. Oh, dude, that that's gotta feel good. That's gotta feel <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, that's that's it's it's actually frustrating, right? Because the customers that I have, they absolutely love it, and it's solving a real problem. But then you know that there's other people out there that have this problem, and how do you reach them? It's frustrating. It's like how do I spread the word or get people to to know that it exists? There's an alternative to to very complicated solutions like Zapier. Well, it's interesting because like the because it seems like you're doing everything right. Like you're you're in the forums. You're there's a couple subreddits. There's a few Slack you know of, and you're right alongside them. So it's like, where are the rest of the Webflow users? I'm interested. I'm very interested in the no code camps and like where people are gathering. Like I on the Indie Hackers podcast, they interviewed uh, Cortland inter- interviewed a lady who was running no code uh, no code tool uh, workshop that sounded really compelling. I'm doing a great job of selling it. I can't remember the name, but <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I'm ho- I'm horrible with yeah. names. But yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah, she she started the whole like a whole online academy, yeah. right? And uh 
uh, what's MakerPad? Like, you have so many people who are interested in no code coming together. It's like getting a hold of the people who are going through this, coming into these communities and like, because what you're doing, like showing people how to make a job board, for example, like that fits right in with something uh, like MakerPad, where the whole goal is to figure out, I have a task that I want to do. How can I stitch these things? And it turns out it can be done. Yeah. Well, you can actually pay MakerPad to to make a whole series of videos for you. For your tool. But it's, yeah, but it's expensive. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not there yet mm-hmm. where I could actually pay them. I think it's. I think it was like five thousand dollars. Okay, it's fun, like, but they they don't accept community made. Yeah, I don't know about that part. Mm-hmm. Like, they do have some. They do have community contributors, okay. but I don't think they're they're pushing their own product. So I think you know if 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 you have a product to sell, I think they're gonna want you to to pay the five thousand dollars. Yeah, to, to get it. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. Yes and no. I mean, if if you think about what's good for their community, I would argue that more examples are better. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. But in order to serve the community, they have to be profitable. Yeah, fair. Right, fair. like, like I, I agree. And and for for my own selfish needs, I would say, yes, it needs to be all be free. And I should be able to put my videos there for free. But I understand that if, in order to keep the lights on, they have to make money. And, and if it means that, that no-code solution providers have to pay to, to have their videos there, then... Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's why I think content marketing is the solution. Like that's that's what I'm concentrating on yeah. now, and hopefully, eventually, someone organically on MakerPad will contribute their own video of, of them using Power Importer. God. But yeah, th- those are the channels I have to to explore. You know, I've also reached out to a few YouTubers, and th- but that wasn't fruitful. Okay. No, no answer or no interest. I mean, for for one of them, they it was in the early days, so, and they got stuck on a bug. But then I, I fixed the bug and I reached out again, and but there was no response. Okay. Yeah, and, and the other ones, they never never committed to. They never said yes or no. They just just oh cool, I'll check it out, but never signed up. Okay. And of course, I'm I'm not a I'm not a salesperson. Like I, <laughs> I'm definitely not a high pressure salesman. Yeah. So I very, very quickly give up. Okay. <laughs> if it's not hell yeah, then okay. Yeah, forget it. fair enough. Yeah, you don't want to waste your time on somebody who doesn't actually have this problem or doesn't feel strongly enough about it to pay for it personally. Yeah, I don't know if it's about wasting my time. I just, I just don't like selling. <laughs> because, I mean, I, I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good deal. You know, like I thought it was a win-win because basically they're looking for content to to publish and here's a new tool you could be the first person to like you know to, to have the that first video out there f- to show off the tool i thought you know so you're winning there and i'm winning because uh, i get the to get more eyeballs on my product yeah that is interesting isn't it like i wonder what goes in mindset of a person who is running a channel like this and how do they make their decision like i wonder what's guiding decision making when it comes to what their next video is going to be do they have a production schedule how are they deciding what goes into that is being bleeding in i mean yeah i mean actually that's a very good question maybe that that's the problem is that they already know what their next 10 videos are going to be and i'm contacting them saying hey here's a video idea and it's like yeah it's a good idea but they already know what their next 10 videos are and i need to be more consistent more persistent 
you know, follow back every week. And eventually they're there. Oh yeah, I need new ideas. So, okay, this will be my 15th video. Mm. Catching them, uh, catching them when they're in a space to say, oh, I need video ideas or I'm in brainstorming mode. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or, but maybe they're, maybe that's not the problem. Maybe the problem is like they see this as, no, this, this should be a sponsored video. You know, you're a business, and so this should be a sponsored video. I'm waiting for you to offer me money. It's interesting because if I were in, well, I mean, there's, I was just going to say, well, if I was in their position, this is what I would do, but I'm not in their position, so I, <laughs> I can't say that. Those words are totally meaningless. But it, it's, I would almost think that they would come out and say, well, I do accept sponsored videos. Is that something you'd be in doing? Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Like a canned response, I would. Yeah, and I never did get that, so maybe they, they don't, they don't do sponsored videos it's most likely the the previous example where they already know they already have their their ideas written down and i'm not catching them at the right mm-hmm. time because i wonder too what their other metrics for success are like do they want to grow their channel so maybe it's like if you could sell power importer in a way that's like oh we're blowing up and you can be <laughs> you can be the first one to have a power right. thing because we're going to coincide with this launch and you'll get all this traffic like i mean it sounds cheesy but if they want to grow their channel and there's this thing that's catapulting to the stars they want to be a part of the wave yeah i wonder if something like that is even valuable for them do they i mean i th- i i like i like win-win scenarios Absolutely. so i thought i thought that's what i had like you're looking for ideas i have here's one i have a new product there's no no other videos out there of people building with it so maybe it's just i need to be more more persistent could be we'll see yeah time will tell but i'm ready to go code yeah i'm ready to start editing last week's podcast (laughs) (laughs) i gotta get that done and then i can start editing this one (laughs) but yeah no it's it's becoming uh it's becoming a lot of fun to like sit down and actually other than yeah other than just code wise so should we set like a deadline like Mm -hmm. when when should we when should we launch that's a very good question so I think this is episode five. Maybe, or yeah. Five. So, I mean, we should go live with what we have. Yeah. No, I think I think there's no reason to wait. Yeah. It's just a question of, of you know, generating the static website and the RSS feed and, and the cover art. Yeah. I started looking for cover art as well, trying to get an idea. I threw some themes in that shared document. There's an area yep. that's interesting. I think I like a sprout. No, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I definitely like the sprout. The sprout idea. And I added two oh, images. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, no, I definitely that I like that idea. Cool. Oh, I like the one amongst the rocks. I think that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I thought those those are nice. Yeah, so take that, throw some nice font on it, throw some words on there. Yeah, we should be ready to go there, and then everything else is just yeah, static site, something to server, and then we just have to submit it and wait. Wait to become internet famous. <laughs> everything I've ever wanted. <laughs> yeah. I like to tease my kids because, you know, my, like my teenage son, you know, he, of course, is on YouTube all the time, right? And he's watching these famous YouTubers. And he, of course, part of him wants to aspire to become YouTube sure. famous also one day. So I like to tease him that I'm, I'm like ahead of him. I already have a channel. I have subscribers. <laughs> Get your shit together. Come on, man. You're never going to catch me at this now rate. I, yeah. Now I'm starting a podcast. Tell them you're on TikTok. <laughs> oh man, Power Reporter on TikTok. I'm on all the platforms yeah, now. Seriously. Come on. <laughs> I even have my own dance. Yeah, oh yeah, that's it. 
That's what you need. You need a power importer yeah. dance. Exactly. That's definitely where your audience. That's that's where the that's where the webflow <laughs> users hang out on TikTok. You oh, think? absolutely. Yeah, maybe. Bucketed. Yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> Carbon stone. I need to go check it out. Okay, cool. Let's get back to coding. Great. Great, man. So talk to you next, next week. week. Later. Bye.